Hi, I'm TJ. And I'm Joseph. And this is Hi-Fi. This is the spirit of the season. It keeps on giving, listening to another podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, we. I mean, we've, we've wrapped up this this podcast just for our listeners, and we've tied it up with, with a bow, and we put their name on it, and we put it under the tree. Uh, well, actually, we gave it to Santa, and he's coming from the podcasting North Pole, and he will slide down your chimney and put that present right under the tree for you, and you open it up, and out comes our voices. Just the way that anybody should get the true podcasting Christmas experience. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Joe. Yeah. Hey, uh, we wanted to talk about Christmas traditions and music and movies, but uh, we had a couple of side items and I think it's going to be a jam-packed episode. So let's get right to it. Let's do it. Um, if you don't mind. Okay, good. So I wanted to revisit the recent announcement of Apple's AirPods Max. Uh, this came out in not too long ago and Already, they have sold out of all these headphones until March. It's probably even beyond that at this point. Um, what are your thoughts about this kind of tech? Are you at all intrigued by new fancy smancy headphones? Or are you content with your Beats and your AirPods Pro? I'm pretty content with my Beats and my AirPods Pro. So my Power Beats Pro, um, I don't see anything replacing those for my everyday use. Um, I, I just I don't like overhead uh, headphones for multiple reasons. Um, and one is that they make my ears sweaty. Uh, two is that they must my hair and I'm not into having my hair must <laughs> Joe. I'm, I'm very particular <laughs> about these things. Um, and, and, yeah. And then three, they're just these heavy things on your head that, that just, yeah, I don't like it. Um, and I only consent they're not necessary. to wear, you already accomplished the sound that you need from other lighter, smaller devices you can stick in your pocket. Exactly. And that's the other thing is these things are not pocketable at all, where even the Powerbeats Pro case is a little big. They will go in my pocket. Like if I'm trying to get on a plane, they'll fit right in there and it'll be fine. Uh, that's difficult to do with over-the-ear headphones. And the only time now that I use over-the-ear headphones is when I'm talking to you because I don't want sound leakage in, back into my mic from your voice. Oh, good thinking. Um, yeah. So, and, and I have wired headphones for that, and it's fine. Um, I'm playing. In, fa- in fact, what I do if I didn't have wired headphones, I'm, I'm playing with the uh, the wires in my hands right now. It's these little coily cable, and it's just I'm bouncing it back and forth, and it's great. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do as a professional podcaster. You yes. Got a lot yeah, of something to do with your hands. wire. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I have a ball here. I, you know, the Luxo Junior Pixar ball. I have him sitting on my desk, and I like to juggle him around while we're doing the podcast. Okay, so yeah, you got to have something to do with your hands while you're podcasting. Well, for the AirPods, okay, this I'm actually sort of a um, just an enthusiast. I would not well, call myself an audiophile or anything of the sort. Let's back up a little, though, Joe. Um, mm-hmm. We sort of dove into AirPods Max, and we didn't even say what they were. People might be confused because they're using this name AirPods. What does that yeah. even mean? Yeah, so if you get, um, if you go back in time, Apple came out with this thing called the iPod, and it came with some free earbuds. And they were clunky and chunky, but they were white to match the, the sporty Apple iPod. Then the iPods kept on getting upgrades and came in new colors and finishes. And they really didn't do a whole lot with their earbuds for a long time. 
And then they came out with a new version where Johnny Ive explained to us in his white world that he had uh, compared the shape of hundreds of human ears and they wanted to make a set that were conforming to the most human ears as possible. And they made these new ones that kind of resemble the Apple AirPods that we have today, but they were wired. And you got those with every new iPhone. You got those with the iPods. And then we all forgot about what iPods were. Apple kept on selling them for a good long time, but we moved on to better, brighter devices. And everybody were getting these cheap white headphones, earbuds, with their earlier generations of the iPhone. But it was boring, and you could never get the matching color with your phone. And Apple said, we don't care. And then they just decided, well, we will give you this. We'll make them wireless. And when they did that, they cut the cords off and they gave you a case to put them into charge and everybody was happy. But then there were people like me where with our big ears, those earbuds, the AirPods tend to just fall right out. They're very silky smooth and glossy finished. And you can't can't sleep in them. You can't work out in them. You, you can't breathe in them. The, you know, when the air comes out of your ears, it'll just knock those AirPods right out. I, I've had trouble with both iterations, both the EarPods and the previous earbuds that Apple produced back when they, you know, the, the ones that were flatter. I, I, both of them always fell out of my ears all the time. Now, they used to make another set that we won't even go into because I don't have a whole lot of experience with them, and they were overpriced. But those are gone now. And so the AirPods made a lot of people happy. And I think that Apple realized that they could take it farther, TJ. So they made AirPods Pro. And what this meant is it created the inner seal because you have the silicone tip on there. And it could sport some features like active noise cancellation and an ambient sound mode so that you could hear your environment around you. And you pinch that little handle that sticks out of your ear instead of having to (laughs) double tap on the device and Mm -hmm. uh, hear the beat through your head. And AirPods Pro are a winner because they stay in my ears and they fit well on big ears. And this is (laughs) not a big deal. The AirPods work better for smaller ears and the AirPods Pro seem to work better for bigger ears. I, I don't know. I'm just saying that from general user experience I'm aware of from a few family members who prefer the feel of the smaller AirPods to the AirPods Pro, but they prefer the features of the AirPod Pros to the to those on the regular ones. Have you any opinion on that? I, I think AirPods Pro are where the features are at. For sure. Um, I, I find the AirPod, AirPods Pro a little bit more uncomfortable uh, just because they sort of, you know, go all the way in your ear and expand and, or, it, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of lodged in your ear a little bit more, although you get used to them over time. But in general, they have better features. And again, I use them for noise canceling when I want noise canceling, which I've talked mm-hmm. about before, so I won't belabor it. Um, but yeah, I can't keep the AirPods in my ears anyway, so... So what Apple did is they took it one step further. They are coming out, TJ, don't let anybody be confused. What the AirPods Max are is they've taken the AirPods and they've made them the size of a football and you hold it up to your head like a telephone and you hear (laughs) out of them. And when you, when you don't like that, you can just sit it on your desk and it acts like a HomePod and you can make a room filling sound out of the AirPods Max. That's what, that's what the tech is. Uh, Joe, we talking about the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> that that was a meme that was getting around on the internet. Apparently, there was a 
another company, not Apple, that made a, a product that looked exactly like this. And it's just funny to see it. Uh, the, the nerdy side of me really wanted to have one of those just to uh, see what it could do as a Bluetooth hearing device. But I'm not going to spend that kind of money on that kind of thing. <laughs> so what are the AirPods Max really, Joe? Well, they're not to be confused, TJ, with the AirPods Pro Max, which haven't been released yet, and Apple hasn't <laughs> announced yet. But Apple's no so doubt, so bad at naming things. <laughs> so yeah. bad. They are the AirPods Max, not to be confused with the AirPods SE either. You know that'll be another thing. Just wait. Stop! Please stop. So <sighs> AirPods Max, I, I prefer to call them APMs because I I, I don't know. I, I want to make that work for us. Can we make that as a trend across podcasting? Deny. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to stick with it. The APMs. Are, I'll just call them Max because they're the only. They're the only Apple Max product I'm interested in. So they are the headphones that come in five tasty, flavorful colors that match. Uh, the One part of it will match your iPad Air and one part of it will match your iPhone 12. But it won't quite match both of them at the same time. <laughs> They're closed back headphones. They're bulbous and they come in a purse. A, uh, a flimsy, inexpensive, efficient purse. <laughs> that and, looks like uh, something else. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they sell for retail for $550. And right now you can get them on eBay for f- about 20 grand. So I, I, th- I think that Apple's made another winner. Oh, man. Is this is this the holiday spectacular? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> ho ho ho! So the AirPods Max, though, are actually being seriously uh, about it uh, for a minute. I actually find these products to be compelling. As uh, are you familiar? <laughs> I'm going to use an analogy, TJ. I have to go here. I thought about this earlier today. I have historically enjoyed earbuds and headphones, but headphones a little bit more. I used to have some Jabra on-ear headphones. And like you, I found that when I got sweaty, that they were uncomfortable and greasy and slide off the ears and yuck. My so ears are I, uncomfortable right now on these uh, studio headphones I'm wearing. Mm. So I, I, what I, this is what I do for I the people, I don't think show. you can get away from it. Yeah, I, yeah I, it's it, what I do for the people. Yes. Thank you, TJ. Sacrificing your ears. <laughs> so the so the air, so the thing was though that um, in theory, on ear headphones are more comfortable because they make a sill around your ear and cup it inside, so that you're not applying too much force to the ear. Instead, you're moving that force to your skull and your jawbone, and that means it's more comfortable. But then again, maybe not. So headphones are one of those things where it's kind of like a mattress and you got to find a mattress that works right for you. It feels comfortable, not too firm, not too soft. And that's where I think there is a great metaphor for headphones versus earbuds. Just bear with me here, TJ. I kind of think that headphones are like blankets and (laughs) there is a going trend of uh, people who like their quilts and layered blankets and different kinds of blankets for every season. And then there's this newer trend to go for weighted blankets. And you can get them in different weights. So you can make them heavier and heavier and heavier. But anybody who's gotten the taste for the weighted blanket knows that you want them to be about 10 to 15% of your actual body weight. 
and you can get them in different gradations of weight. So get the blanket that is 10 to 15% of your body weight. And it feels like you're just being wrapped in a, a tight cocoon. And it, it's so much more relaxing and you sleep better. So uh, over ear headphones with noise cancellation are that. It is that versus using the AirPods, which is like laying on top of your blankets on the bed and not getting the comfort from a body pillow or a weighted blanket at all. And then you can just roll right off in the middle of your nap and it's, you wake up and you're miserable. Instead, head over ear headphones, TJ, give you that, oh, I know. Apple calls it a magical experience. Should I get closer to the microphone? Okay. A magical okay, experience. Mm. So the AirPods Max are the weighted blanket of headphones because they are literally heavier than all other on-ear headphones or over-ear headphones. Now, not actually all of them, but just uh, all of the ones that anybody seems to notice. The Bose, the... What are the others called? Sony's? Yeah, so there's XM4s, and they've had previous generations that were very popular as well, but it seems like a lot of the noise-canceling headphones people love these days are the Bose and the, the Sony's. And for good reason. They're great devices. I've had both at different times. I've recently got the Sony's. But Apple is new to the game, and they're trying to make it interesting because they're putting in the features of the AirPods Pro into the AirPods Max and obviously so you got spatial audio so you you synthesize surround sound when you're listening to television shows and movies that support surround sound in uh, 5.7 or 7.1 or no it's a 5.1 and 7.1 and i like the sound of that then pun not intended then <laughs> you also get um what do they call it? Oh, active noise cancellation and their version of ambient sound mode. So they call it pass through or transparency. And you can switch these things on and off, toggle them on and off from a button on the side of the headphones. And that's great because some people like noise cancellation. Some of them hate it. It can make you a little bit nauseous and disoriented. And you can also just turn those things off so that you can use more battery life and make the headphones act like cheaper, boring headphones that don't support noise cancellation. And it'll just increase your battery life. So, TJ, I, I did a thing. I you did a thing. All right, let's hear it. Yeah, I'm returning I'm, my I, Sony's. I can't figure out what this thing is. What, 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 what would this thing be, Joe? What did you do? I bit the bullet and I am taking the plunge. I'm getting the maxes and they should be arriving any day now. I actually wondered how long it would take for this to happen because you were you've been you've been texting me, iMessaging me about your your Sony something something headphones. You talked about your Sony Sony something headphones, some, Sony something something headphones a couple episodes <laughs> ago. Like I I just I thought you know I think Joe's going to get the the AirPods Max. Yeah, I think and, he is. What tipped me over the edge was I, I I think about the short term and the long term. So in the short term, I already know that the Sony's are very good phones and they're comfortable enough, but they, they they're, I have a few nitpicks, which we don't need to go into here. They're very good for the price. And I would think that a lot of people would be very happy with those $350 headphones that you can regularly find on sale for 280. Now, the reason, though, I thought about, I reconsidered the Max was build quality of materials. 
I think that plastic headphones, which I don't want to buy very often, are just not going to last as many years as a product made out of stainless steel, aluminum, and have Apple's grade of materials in general. I don't tend to roughhouse my headphones, TJ. I'm not using them on the field. I'm not using them while hiking. I'm not going to be playing uh, sports in them. <laughs> I'm not going to even take them to the gym and get sweaty in them. I'm going to use them at home. I'm going to use them while casually taking a walk, maybe. Maybe use them as earmuffs while it's a cold season, sitting outside on the porch while doing something else on my iPad. So I'm going to be gentle with them. And I know, though, that plastic will wear out faster over years and years of life. So would I rather spend $350 on a a pair of plastic headphones that may not last five years or spend $550 on a pair of headphones that could last uh, indefinitely? Uh, and, And so with that in mind, I thought, I prefer the features Apple has to sport. I think their pass-through is better than the Sony's on the AirPods Pro and the reviews for the Macs, according to the YouTubers that have already got them and tried them out. They say that they're just as good as the AirPods Pro, if not better. And they also like the noise cancellation. Most of them think it has a slight edge to the Sony's. So that sounds very positive. And if there was one thing that every reviewer is complaining about, it is that terrible purse of a case that Apple has told us they thought through and with great intentionality decided that this was the right case for them. Um, Here's the thing, TJ. I I 100% agree with all the reviews that that is not even a case. But the thing (laughs) is, it is so bad. But the thing is, TJ, I hardly ever use my earphone cases anyway they stay in my backpack and i'm only throwing them in there when i'm traveling which is not much anymore you know in a few years i probably will be again but i just don't care because i'm not going to roughhouse and abuse the case even on a 350 dollars set of headphones mm, you think so i'm not i don't abuse them that way so the case and the headphones are going to be in my backpack when I'm not using them. And the same would have been true with any other 300 and up pair of headphones I have. So a case case that looks like the traditional headphones case that we have from Bose and Sony's and the like, they are great. If you want a great case, buy a $350 case that comes with a pair of headphones. But I'm not buying the headphones for the case, TJ. I I think that the Apple headphones look like they are pretty durable. I love that I can replace the ear cups, cushions, the way that Apple has in mind that long-term you're going to want to replace those. And on the Sonys, TJ, I've used Bose and I've had the cushions wear out on me. And that was a big, big disappointment. So I looked into how do you replace the ear cushions on the Sonys? And what you do, TJ... This is the recommended way is you get a butter knife and you pry them off. And Sony does not sell you ear ear cup cushion replacements. You have to find a third parties and they come in different firmnesses. So you may get a pair that have cheaper knockoff leather that are uncomfortable and they're too firm, or maybe they inhibit and hinder some of the sound quality. 
So down the road, if I'm replacing those cushions, which I know I will be, they're not going to sound right, feel right, and be the same experience I've always had with those Sony's headphones. And uh, Apple's helping everyone out by helping us avoid that problem by throwing down another $70 to replace those ear cushions with some new ones that are magnetic. And that is a magical experience, TJ, giving them more money for these headphones. It's always a magical experience giving mm-hmm. Apple money. Yeah. Yeah, it is the uh, p- the pickpocket that keeps on picking. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 in general, I can make fun of the product and also appreciate the product. I'm looking forward to the the ecosystem-rich features, and I think that they are robust by stainless steel and the metal ear pods <laughs> that cup your ears. The worst thing of the worst, which is not the end of the world, is the name. I cannot get over the it's, name. <sighs> they're not AirPods. What makes them AirPods? Well, I mean, I suppose they're trying to capitalize on the brand, but it, it really is a nonsensical name. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. They're not pods. They're not air pods. They're head pods. That's what they should have been called. They should have been called head pods. <laughs> Well, and not, iPhone not even was joking. already taken. Apple phones were already taken. So. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <sighs> but HeadPods so, would have been pretty good. Can we just agree to call them HeadPods instead then? I, I, sure. It's official. All right. Yeah, let's call them HeadPods. Thank you. It's, it's, it's just like uh, we call the, uh, the iPod Touch the iTouch. Yeah. Wait, no, I and, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my... Well, the good news is, is that you're not wearing them, and I'll let you know how it feels to put $550 on my head. Okay. Well, you let you do that. <laughs> I'm going to have $550 in my pocket, and you'll have them on your head, and we'll see how that goes for us. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk about T-Mobile's Scam Shield? Yes, let's. Um, you actually introduced this to the show previously, right? But you hadn't field tested it yet. No, um, I had not. And the, the, so the problem that I've been having is that I don't know what – I would say within the last – I started about four four weeks ago, I, I something like that. Whenever the episode was that I talked about it, it hadn't started long before that. And um, I was getting inundated with calls. Uh, this is Rachel from Credit Card Services. We want to talk to you about your credit card account, or we're trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. I'm like, oh, my 2003 model car? Like, come on. <laughs> it's just yeah. <laughs> it's dead giveaway there. Um, we're, we're trying to – we want to send you on an all-expenses-paid cruise. And, you know, it's just all these like, – and like literally the, the what made me snap and just I've got to do something is I received 15 – calls in one day and not one of them was was legitimate whoa that's way more than i encounter yeah Yeah, it i used to encounter like you know three or four a week and this was and and even today let me look at today and um let's see i'm looking at my recents uh one two three four five only five today so it slowed down a little but um Oh, well, actually, that's only five that came through. Uh, scam Shield catches about half of them. So, so it's talking about T-Mobile Scam Shield. So there are actually applications that will do this on the phone level. T-Mobile Scam Shield does it um, at the carrier level. But they're looking at the same list. And so what happens, I've got it set up to just do a little um, notification anytime it, it catches a call it thinks is spam. Just so that I can see that it's working, um, and so uh, it 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 you know when when T-Mobile receives a call that it believes is scam, 
it will or, or spam or scam or whatever, it will um, let you know via a notification. And you can also look in the app. I'm looking at the app right now, and it says scam likely, and then it gives you the number scam likely. And and anytime it's a scam likely call, it's just blocked. It just doesn't get through to your phone. Um, and that has helped a lot. I get far less like the day that I mean, I was in and out of I'm, most days. I'm in and out of meetings. I'm working. I'm deep in thought on a code project or whatever, and all of a sudden the phone starts ringing off the hook, and it's just. Oh, it was bad. So yeah, the the Scam Shield app is catching about half, I would say, of my of my uh, scam and spam calls, and um, it's you know I wish it would do better. I'm I'm almost to the point. I think if it continues even at this pace of five or so getting through today, I will probably move to a only let the call through on like there's settings on the iPhone where you only let the call through if it's in your contact list. And my feeling is if it is somebody who needs to get a hold of me and they're not in my contacts, they can leave a voicemail. (laughs) I'm almost to that point. I'm almost to that point. It's just I've never had to do that before. It's just new territory for me because. You know, two or three spam scam calls a week is is manageable. You answer it, you go hello, and it goes. We're trying to, and you you're, you've hung up before they've even made their stupid scam sales pitch. So, so yeah, but but fifteen is not manageable at all. Anyway, so that's you know that's the scam shield, and I think I think all the carriers have their version of this app that'll block things at the carrier level. Um, and, th- and they just provide a nice app with a nice interface to the service. So how has your experience been? Is it's been it good. Any s- s- spam calls for you? It has. It says it's caught uh, eight likely calls uh, at, at around the same time that we began using Scam Shield. I also had more calls from unknown numbers, mm. and that was important because I usually like to have silence all of the unknown numbers coming in so that they do go to voicemail. But I needed to turn that off so that these other calls for important business could get through. And they've been getting through. The scams have not, surprisingly, very effective. And the important calls are done, so I'm turning silence back on. And uh, But I like the combination that the two can work together so that if anything does slip through the shield, then hopefully, presumably, the, the silence mode will catch the rest yeah i'm looking at the app right now and it tells you the 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 number of amount of calls it's blocked in the last 30 days and it says 52 calls blocked in the last 30 days it's just insane whoa you gotta change your number (laughs) i i i've had okay i've had this number since 2005 it's the number like and and i just don't like the idea of changing it's sort of like changing my email address people wouldn't know how to get a hold. i don't like that idea i don't want to change it and we have effective spam filters on email that's why i'm able to have the same email addresses it's out there now but like and it's it gets all kinds of spam but guess what i never see it every once in a while like i'm gonna go to gmail whoops i didn't mean to do that i'm gonna go to gmail.com and i'm going to look in the spam folder and yeah, there's there's hundreds of spam messages in here, but I'm just I'm just scrolling through here, and there's not a single one that's legit, and I never get spammed to my inbox. So Gmail at least has this figured out. We just need to do the same thing for phone calls. Yeah, that's my you're not that's my wrong. Opinion. You're not yeah. wrong. What year is this? Actually, maybe we should ignore what year this is. <sighs> but I would prefer <laughs> if technology were beyond spam calls by now. Yeah, I I just and, and the thing that I just don't understand like apparently they're effective like just like spam apparently is effective and makes somebody somewhere money. 
I guess these scam calls are also effective and makes people somewhere money. Like who falls for this? Who, who, when they hear we, in order to continue your car, your, your 2003 model cars extended warranty, you need to give us your credit card. Like I, who does that? Especially (laughs) falling for it more than once. (laughs) Like maybe that happens, but they keep Mm. on trying. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I suppose it's easier for me. I suppose if somebody called and I had bought a car within the last three years and said your Mm warranty is about to expire, you can extend it by giving us your credit card. Maybe somebody falls for that, but I'd be like, I'll go talk to the dealer. (laughs) I I, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't understand. Yeah. Well, the good news is, is that your iPhone 12 mini is working in every other, you know, conceivable way. You don't have any other... complaints about the mini these days do you no no it's a great awesome. phone i i really like it um I, the only thing that i was ever worried about was battery life because it's a smaller phone and the 6s's battery life was just garbage fire even with the new battery and um so i was worried about it being a smaller phone and the battery but the battery has been fine like i think one time i you know got up a little earlier and then went to bed late and had been doing a bunch of stuff and using the phone a lot and i think i got it down to 30 percent horror of horrors you know so it's it's fine it's fine well, rarely is it under 50 percent at the end of the day yeah i have nothing bad to report about my iphone 12 pro either so it's been rock solid i think i could potentially use this for almost as long as I use my headphones max. So headpods. <laughs> well, that's good. They're a match made in heaven. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the holidays. Let's do that. Yeah. So We've Joe, got um, favorites, traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you want to tell us about some of your traditions? Yeah. I, I think we should go back and forth. Um, so I'll introduce one of mine first. Um, you know, we already kind of alluded to Christmas holiday music stuff in previous episodes. We are believers that Christmas music begins after Thanksgiving Day. Mm-hmm. As and, is right and proper. Yeah. Now, my wife is not – and she's a little bit more of a wishy-washy believer in that. So <laughs> she started some of that music before. But that's no, okay. No, 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 this is This is heretical. Uh, Heretic. Heretic. Mm. Am I compromising? Mm. I need to go back. Yes. I need to repent. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, we we have them in full swing now. We're going to get to more Christmas music later, but we've been listening to those on our smart speakers throughout the house, and I have curated uh, Christmas music, so that has been a blast. Are you all doing the same sort oh, of a thing? Blast, a blast. Was it even blasting it, have you? <clears throat> <laughs> it has been very fun when the kids take control and introduce some Christmas music that I've never heard before. Mm. Do you ever let the kids manipulate your Christmas holiday tunes? Yes, but they usually ask for the songs that I would play anyway, or the music that I would play anyway, often. Um, there's occasions when I'm like, okay, turn off the My Little Pony Christmas album or whatever it is they're listening to. Uh, but normally exactly. it's like, hey, daddy, can we listen to that? The one that you like, Amy Grant, Tennessee Christmas, you know? So, yeah, um, yeah it's it's good. Um, Usually the kids yeah. want to hear, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas again, which oh, is a family hate favorite. It. I love it, it, but hate I'm it. also kind of like, okay, guys, we don't need to hear it again. We heard it and every again, day. And again. So, oh, isn't that the, the, the best thing? Isn't that the best or the worst thing about little kids? I can't decide which. Is like if they like something, they can listen or watch or whatever that something like on a loop for the rest for of their years. lives. Yeah. Yes. And and you're sitting over here pulling your hair out, going, yelling from the other room, okay, 
you've been listening to that song on a loop, that one song, not even an album, that one song for three hours on a loop, it's time to find something else. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other story we have when you have smart speakers that can play and the kids can ask the smart speakers to play something for them, you have a moment where you just pause the music for a moment to let the family have a discussion. And as soon as the discussion's over, the kids ask, hey, dad, can I play It's Raining Tacos again? I'm like, no, oh, wait, I've, I've, I've wait. no joke. I have banned that song. And I, I, so the kids would sing, they would, they sing it nonstop about raining tacos. I don't even know where the song comes from. So I said, okay, let's not listen to that for a while. Then they still yeah. weren't singing it. I finally had to say, and you may not sing it anymore because literally like it just, I'm, maybe I'm a killjoy, but at some point it's like, stop, please. Well, just you wait until the, uh, the kids are asking you if they can play noodles and butter. That's a, that's another tune, another top 40 hit for 12 year olds this year. And, uh, it'll make you wish that you were listening to raining tacos again. So anyway, moving on, um, you want to introduce one of your family traditions besides Christmas music? Yeah, well, um, yeah, so I also believe that, um, as is right and proper, that uh, Christmas music should begin the day after Thanksgiving. And the, big, not the first only, day of Christmas, basically. Yes. So not only, well, Chris, technically that's Advent. You're in Advent, not, not Christmas. But anyway, um, so not only is it not proper to play Christmas music before the Friday after Thanksgiving, but it is also required that you then play Christmas music on the Friday after Thanksgiving. You must do that. So we, yeah. we do that as well. But along with that, so there is um, a, a specific album that we listen to while we decorate the tree. But first, you have to get a tree. Uh, we, several years ago, switched to live trees. Um, and basically, it was about five years ago uh, our, when we moved uh, to a new house. And um, we also decided to shake it up. We had this little um, plastic tree, and we decided not to do that anymore. We wanted to get into the festive spirit. So we went all in our festivity to Home Depot. <laughs> and we got a live tree. So it's not like we went to a Christmas tree farm or anything. But we do. So we, is it we the, spend... that part of the tradition? You get them from Home Depot? We do. We go to Home Depot and they oh, have a nice okay. little Christmas tree lot and we go through there and we we look at the various trees and, oh, that one's too sparse. That one's not thick enough. That yeah. one's not tall enough. And we all look at the tree and then I'll, we pick out the one and I'll carry it over and have them trim it up a little bit at the bottom and cut off the bottom so it'll suck up the water better. Mm -hmm. And then we take it home and we decorate it while we listen to Christmas music. Yeah, uh, so that is a tradition. Do similar fashion, yeah. We, we go all the way out to the utility closet and we pull out our christmas tree and set it up in the family room and <laughs> yes continue but we actually we did the live trees for several years i like to do it every now and then i just don't want to commit to the mm. live tree every year but it, it is awfully fun yeah we're we've done it every year for five years it, I, I love, love the, the smell. smell of a live tree yeah it's yeah. so good yeah love it what else you got joe what other what other traditions well, we do decorate, we'll pick it up where you left it off. So we decorate the tree together and we have family favorite ornaments that we've collected over the years. They get, uh, we want to make it subtle. So the ornaments have sentimental value, but there's also ornaments that have been given to each other over the years. So we remember those past years and the, the, but we are kind of going for a cohesive look about the ornaments. And mm -hmm. one of the additions from my wife has been adding popcorn strings around the tree. And that uh -huh. is a new look in our house. P previously, my mom was using a sort of plastic icicles, silver icicles, 
that you can um, lay around the branches. But these little plasticky strings do make a mess and they're hard to clean up and they, they can tear up your vacuum. And we mm, did that for a few yes. years because it was tradition. But we got away from that with the popcorn strings and the kids. Uh, their patience is always tested to put together the popcorn on the string as long as it takes to get it up to the length we need on the tree. And, uh, but so far so good. It looks really gorgeous. And, well, family and friends that have seen our tree said, Oh, whoa, that's a good looking tree. So I think we're making a positive impression and the traditions are paying off. Nice. So another tradition that we have, and we're going to talk more about movies in a minute, but we have two Christmas movies that must be watched. Uh, one with the family and one that's just me and Rachel. And let's be fair. Let's be real. It's mostly just me. Um, <laughs> Rachel could take it or leave it. She'll, she'll watch it with me. But so we watched as a family Home Alone because that is one of the ultimate Christmas movies. Um, and the kids, of course, love the slapstick comedy of Kevin taking out the 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 thieves. And then uh, Die Hard um, is the one that uh, it is. You, you may fight me. It is a Christmas movie. It is definitely a yeah. Christmas movie, and it tells a Christmas story. So it is a Christmas movie. Uh, so that that is yeah. The the movies uh, are are one of our traditions. So do you usually begin with those early in December, or do you like them closer to Christmas Day? I like them. I like them closer to Christmas. We usually have watched them by now, though, but we just haven't had the time yet. But that is probably going to happen this weekend, perhaps. We'll we'll see. Do you try to catch both Home Alone 1 and 2, or do you just watch part 1? Just the first one. We've watched Home Alone 2 uh, recently, and it is, is it's it feels too samey and, and forced, and I don't know. I don't, the kids love Home Alone 2, hmm. and my, my daughter tells me Home Alone 2 is better than Home Alone. It is not. <laughs> Home Alone is, is the one. I like them both an awful lot, and I can agree with your daughter that it's, uh, it's more than acceptable. But I, I think that part 1 was... It, like you were saying, less forced, and it, it does have a lot of charm. So it's where love the, magic the soundtrack. Is at. Yeah, it's the soundtrack from John Williams. It was inspired. Oh man. yes, that that is. In fact, I almost forgot to put it on my list that we're going to talk about in a minute. That is one of the albums that I listen to a lot at Christmas. Okay. Well, I don't have movies set in stone anymore. I kind of feel like uh, Christmas movies are very great traditions, but of late, I'm starting to get tired of a lot of them. I'm going to move on to another example of tradition. We usually hang up the Christmas lights. My son and I do it together. He's old enough that he can be more helpful that way, and he enjoys it. And we decorate the porch, and we have a lot of fun. And I want to get some more lights next year. And we've discussed different alternative approaches to what we can do with those lights, and I want them to be uh, turn on smartly and be more efficient and come on when they should and turn off when they should. And honestly, if lights like that were in season more around, more often throughout the year, I would use them all the time, man, because <laughs> uh, it's a great look on anybody's home. Do you all yeah. do Christmas lights? Um, we did the first year that uh, – first couple of years that uh, Rachel and I were married, I got out and hung up lights and regretted it when it came time to take them down every year. And since then, I've just been too busy. Yeah, that part of it isn't fun. Yeah, and even putting them up is just it's I, I would like to resume doing that at some point and especially at our new the house that we bought a year ago it would it lends itself really well to lights unfortunately it, at least the, I think it would look really good on the house. Unfortunately, some of the places that you'd have to put the ladder and things are a little inaccessible, so uh, maybe maybe someday sometime I want to do it again, but um lights inside for right now. Yeah, it is a bit of a 
a pain in the neck, to be honest. And the worst injury I had of 2019 was getting stabbed by some of the like the faux um, greenery on our outdoor Christmas Ooh. lights that wrap around Ooh. the porch rail. Mm. And that <laughs> majorly hurt. I think I cried out and the whole neighborhood probably heard me. So didn't you reuse that piece this year? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I'm going to move on to another tradition that the Drapers have, and that is the adult gift exchange. And this happens on both my wife's side of the family and on um, my side of the family. So um, my brothers and sisters and my step uh, brothers and sisters all um, have a, a gift exchange that we we do. Basically, my wife actually organizes it. She'll put all the names into a thing that she has, uh, some website, I think, and she tells it to randomly sort them or somehow somehow they get assigned. <laughs> That's all that I know. And so you know, I have my brother this year, my younger brother my who's 20 years younger than I am. Uh, so that's fun. I got to figure out what to get him. I already have, but, uh, and then I have my wife's cousin on her side. So it's a lot of fun and and it, 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 it makes it so that we're all giving to different people each year, but also you're only getting for one person. And so it doesn't get super expensive because there's lots of people in the family. So I like that a yeah. lot. We, we do similar things. We do have the family gift exchange in the Darnell side of the family and we love to send Christmas cards out as well. So we finished those the first week of December, and we got some really good-looking Christmas cards this year. I wrote a bunch of the personal messages for people that are on my side of the family. My wife wrote hers, and she's better at addressing envelopes, and so I let her take care of all that. <laughs> but I am very grateful for them. I love to receive a, Chris- a Christmas card, and it seems to be falling out of fashion. I get less and less of them. We do get though a few. We there are. The, I think the one exception is there are folks that still like to send the family photo Christmas card, where yes. it's really not a personalized message, but you get a family picture. Then, so we still get some of those. For several years, um, we were religious about sending out our family photo Christmas card. It was the only thing that we mailed out like that to everybody, and. I, um, I, it's just, it got hard to keep up with and it's sort of fallen by the wayside. Um, I need to pick it up again, but then, then is it weird when somebody didn't receive a Christmas card from you for years and then all of a sudden they're receiving one or better or worse or worse even is people that you have met since you stopped doing the Christmas card. And then all of a sudden they receive their first Christmas card and you've known them for, you know, six or seven years. Is that weird? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> These are things that keep me up at night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the tried and true way to go about it if you want to survive Christmas card season is to make it less is more and you do put a personal message in there, but don't spend too much time shopping for the perfect card and don't spend too much time thinking about the personal message. Say the first thing that comes to your mind and keep it to 10, uh, 10, I was about to say 10 sentences or less, actually two sentences or less will be sufficient. Yeah. And let, let your wife handle the personalized messages for the fan, friends and family on her side of the family, and you take care of yours. 
Yeah, that, that could work. I, I, if I get back into it, we'll give it some more thought. But I definitely – so the first year when we were married, uh, we thought, oh, we're going to do Christmas cards. It's going to be great. And we wrote this like newsletter thing and we included the – like the whole thing was – it took so much time. And so the next year and thereafter, it was like you get a photo and a Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, of course, it just completely fell by the wayside. I think the last year that we sent Christmas cards was the year my youngest daughter was born and now we have four kids and it's just a lot harder to wrangle it i think uh yeah so that was probably seven years ago because she's seven so wow yeah well yeah in your position i think it may just like hide and hope nobody notices they're not getting christmas cards from me (laughs) yeah but i you know uh, i know we're getting stuck on this and we got to move on but uh, the one thing that that makes me want to do it is and i don't want to think of myself too highly but people might want to, this is going to sound so bad. People might want to have our family on their fridge. Like, I, okay, the reason I say that is I enjoy. We we have lots of cards on our fridge. I, like, I'm normally kind of a neat freak. Like, I don't like too much clutter around, but I do like having lots of representations of our friendships and church family and family members on our fridge because it's you. It's a sign of an active relationship with people, and so we have lots of people on our fridge from Christmas cards or greeting cards or whatever that we've received or just whatever, you know. Yeah, or, and you see yeah. them on a regular basis. It's- it's good reminder yeah. to think about them and look them up yeah. again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That is a good point. And I think that that social aspect of Christmas is sometimes easy to overlook. So it is one of the better ways to keep in touch and to think fondly of the family and friends. Agreed. Well, you want to go with another on your list? So um, one of the big traditions for us is um, the Christmas Eve lessons and carols service at church. And our church is small, and some years it's not exactly on Christmas Eve. Like maybe we do it Sunday evening, and it's a couple of days before Christmas, and we're just trying to figure all that out. But generally, we try to do a Christmas Eve service of our lessons and carols uh, with our church. And if our if our church is not having a service on Christmas Eve because we wound up having it a couple of days earlier or whatever, then we'll usually drive up to a different church and enjoy their lessons and carols. There's another church close by in Nashville that, that does a really nice lessons and carols service. But I really enjoy the lessons and carols. Um, they're, because they're, they're Christmas songs paired with readings of the Christmas story, you know, that, that, that kind of put you into that spirit of Christmas as you're moving into Christmas day. And it is, uh, it is a tradition that we, we try to observe. I was aware of this, but I wasn't aware of the significance and it kind of occurred to me only this year, our church has one as well, but it is something that I had overlooked and it was brought to my attention like, oh, this is a really good tradition. So yes, thank you for saying that. Um, it, It is a good one. And you can't get enough of the good Christmas music and there's an awful lot of ones that they'll sing in church. Yes, for sure. Especially at a lessons and carol service when they're paired with the readings to, made to go with the scripture of telling the Christmas story. It, it, mm-hmm. and it, you know, it's, as it's, it's, it's lessons and carols. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really good. So uh, another thing that we do, TJ, like you, is uh, we do like to exchange gifts and the like. But we've had an, uh, for many, many, many in my whole life, really, with the Darnell family is we didn't exchange presents. We stuffed stockings. Mm. And that's been an awful lot of fun, but it also was it, some uh, some years we kind of need a break from the detail oriented stocking hunt and finding the right <laughs> stocking stuffers for everybody in the family. But when it's a good year, it is very fun to find a lot of cle- clever little gifts and treats for each w- uh, one of us in the extended family. 
And we would have all of these stockings for everybody in the family that are huge. They're, you could fit a toddler in them <laughs> for everybody in the family has one that is personal to them. And they are shared together at my parents' house on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve or the day after Christmas, depending on when everybody can get together. And that is a, a tradition that we usually do. For 2020, though, we are doing the more normal gift exchange, which is easier for everyone. And um, I can say that it, it is a lot of fun to do the gift exchange idea as well for the same reasons that you had. But if you are interested in shaking it up and you wanted to do something uh, more original, I would highly recommend the stocking stuffers tradition instead. Makes them personal. You know, you get to personalize a unique stocking, and those are something that everybody in the clan gets to see year in and year out. It's like, oh yeah, remember that personalized one? Yours is really funny. It's got the bells on the end of the toes and stuff like that. My brother has the same stocking that my mom made for him, sewed for him like the, his first Christmas and he's 37 years old now. And, uh, it wouldn't be the same without seeing my brother's big stocking, the same one that we see every year. Cool. Yeah. So st- stockings, yeah. Uh, stockings, um, hold a, a little different place and significance for us, but that, that is, I like that. That is a, a good, uh, good tradition. Yeah. My wife had another stocking tradition on her side of the family where everybody in the family would wait till dark on Christmas Eve and then try to sneak around and not be caught by each other and stuff the stockings and then rush back to bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So uh, another tradition that we have as the, the Draper family is that we, every evening during Advent, okay, so first of all, Advent is not Christmas, it is preparing for Christmas, or it's, it's Advent literally means coming in Latin. So the Christmas is coming, you're, you're expectantly looking forward to Christmas. And so we're currently right now in the Advent period. That's the four Sundays and the intervening weeks um, before Christmas. Um, and then once you reach Christmas Day, you are in what is called Christmas Tide. So I'm getting a little church calendary on you. Um, so during Advent, um, we uh, will do Advent readings, uh, and we light the the Christmas wreath. Uh, you know, each week you add one more candle until all four candles are lit, and then on Christmas Day you light five candles. Uh, so we're very into that, and uh, so we oh. read uh, the scriptures every Sunday evening, or every evening, sorry, not Sunday, every evening at the uh, dinner table, and we light the wreath, um, and we read scriptures relating to Advent. So that is a tradition that we have, um, and I say every evening, it's most evenings when I'm at the table and Mommy's at the table, but like, obviously, we record these podcasts in the evenings, so we're we're missing this evening, but, you know, in general, that's what we do. I'm not familiar enough with Advent. That sounds really awesome. You'll have to tell me more. What is the significance of the candles? Do those just mark days or? Yes. uh, I, let me, okay. Advent candles. Let me make sure that I'm telling you the right story. Um, An Advent candle is a candle, uh, is a candle marked with the days of December up to Christmas Eve. It is typically used in a household rather than a church. Well, that's not true. That's, I don't like that information because we use the Advent candles at church. Most, most high church situations have Advent candles. Interesting. Okay. I didn't like that. I'm going to start over somewhere else. The meaning of the Advent wreath. That probably is good. Anyway, I'll, I'll look something up and, um, and kind of maybe send it to you, Joe, and put it in the yeah. show notes as okay, well. Cool. Um, but but it's essentially yes. So um, you have the four Advent candles around the outside of the wreath, and then in the middle is called the Christ candle, and it is usually white. So the outer candles are either purple or blue, depending on your 
tradition and, and some traditions use both. Uh, ours are purple. Um, Lutherans tend to use blue. Um, but I don't think there's anything necessarily special about the colors. Um, although I will say the liturgical color, if you're a uh, high church, uh, I'm, I'm very much an advocate of high church things. Um, <laughs> so uh, the liturgical color, at least in Presbyterian Protestant uh, circles, is this, this season is purple, which, which is a royal color. Um, and so the purple candles. And then the, usually the third candle is pink, and then the Christ candle, the one in the center, is white, signifying the the innocence and uh, sinlessness of Jesus who has come to pay the penalty for sins. Wow. A lot of detail there. Interesting yeah. to know. Yeah, it's it's very it's very liturgical and um I I love liturgy. So uh I love yeah. I love church traditions and the church calendar. And so yeah, you're gonna you, you will likely hear more on that subject from me at some point. Okay. Well in the same vein, our church has a candlelight evening service on Christmas Eve. And it has mm-hmm. been a highlight for our family every year, and it packs the place. We have suddenly so many visitors, and it's been uh, very spiritual, refreshing, and invigorating to sing the carols together and the message. When the uh, after the carols, uh, the pastor usually will invite the younger children up to the uh, the platform, and then. They'll sit around him and he'll give them candy canes and then read the original Christmas story right out of the book of Luke. And it has been a very just heartwarming, refreshing, spiritually renewing, and a great reminder of the importance and the significance of Jesus' birth. And so when you leave that, we you know get to blow out the candles. They actually have the candles lit for a good part of the service, and that is always a lot of fun. I don't think that candles are entirely safe. It sounds crazy if you've not been to such a situation, but they are—they're actually designed to be spill-proof, and yes. you couldn't just yes. fall over and catch the wooden pews on fire or anything like that. Exactly, that's right. So, I don't think I mentioned that our uh, Christmas Eve lessons and carols service is also a candlelight service, and we have uh, spill-proof candles and things. Uh, so. <laughs> Yes, yes, they are safer than they sound. Although parents, definitely, if you're going to these candlelight lessons and carols or candlelight services, you know, be careful with your kids. Yeah, I do think I've spent an awful lot of my time just watching my children intently at those services (laughs) until they blew them out. Okay, uh, my next tradition, I think I just want to walk you through our Christmas day because this is um, – we try to – this is really Christmas is probably the biggest event of the year for me and is one of the most fun uh, And Christmas day. Uh, so what I do is I make donuts for breakfast on Christmas day um, and that gives my wife a break because we have a very traditional relationship in many ways and one of those ways is she does most of the food and cooking. I have my special things that I make. I have a special chili and stuff but mostly she handles the meals and I like to give her Christmas day off for that. And um, the way I make donuts is um, it actually works really well. (laughs) Um, I take canned biscuits and unroll those babies and cut out the middles and and fry them, deep fry them in peanut oil. Um, And they make wonderful donuts. And then you take some powdered sugar and caro syrup and make a glaze and uh, dip those uh, donuts in that glaze. And they are nice and light and fluffy and wonderful. So That sounds amazing. 
That's what we do for breakfast. Uh, then uh, we will then, after we've consumed the donuts, uh, spend some time uh, lighting the Advent wreath and reading the Christmas story on uh, Christmas Day. Um, so it's still kind of the same thing, only we're lighting all five candles and we read the Christmas story. And then from there, uh, we open stockings and presents. So stockings for us, you mentioned your stocking traditions, and for us, it's usually Rachel will just stuff the stockings with, uh, and I'll help her sometimes, with um, candy and um, a couple of, you know, trinket present type things. So those, those, are, those are the preliminaries, and then we open the presents under the tree. And then for the last few years, so it's it's been a little different at different times, but for the last few years, my dad uh, now lives close enough that we uh, tra- travel a couple hours down to his house and uh, spend the afternoon uh, with, uh, with my dad's family. Awesome. That is our Christmas day. Our Christmas day has been a, a day where we employ traditions for that one year and then we throw them out and try on something else. But we do have a few that we like to keep. We, we do wind up doing different things. Like uh, some years we wind up at the movies to watch a great big blockbuster <laughs> or we wind up you know, staying home and doing more traditional things, play a lot of Mario Kart, which is a game that everybody in the family likes to jump in on on Christmas Day. <laughs> Go figure. Um, but then we always do Chris, uh, Christmas gifts on the day if we can help it rather than doing them another day of the week, which is, you know, sometimes based off of conflicting schedules. But it, we do prefer to get the family together for gifts on Christmas Day. But we like yeah. to sometimes have a big breakfast. Sometimes we have a big brunch. Sometimes we just do a great big uh, dinner in the evening with the extended family. Like you were going to your dad's, we'll go over to my parents' house. And I can see things changing more in years to come because I remarried in 2019 and 2020 has been a very difficult year for us to visit my wife's side of the family. And we were hoping to see them here at Christmas time, but it's not going to happen. So we are looking forward to getting back together with them in 2021. It'll be, mm, mm-hmm. uh, the see, we, last time I saw them was June last year. So I, I really miss them and we want to get back together and I hope that they can come visit us as well. But we need to figure something out. We're going to figure out what to do uh, years that we may go visit them for Christmas, maybe for New Year's. And I would like it to be traditional, but if there's going to be years with them and years without them because they're on the other side of the country and we don't necessarily want to have things set in stone with just my side of the family or just hers. We want to have the best of both sides. So we're still working that out. So I think those are our traditions. And one of the things that I wanted to make sure people understood is, um, you know, you have very different traditions from me. I have very different traditions from you. Some of them overlap. And, you know, this is not to make anybody feel bad for not doing traditions. Like if you want to have less of a holiday, that's totally fine. But hopefully also if, if you are into Christmas as we are, as I very much am, then maybe that you can also take some inspiration for some of these things and make them fit your your own families. But I just I love Christmas so much. That's why I wanted to uh, to talk about Christmas. Yeah, uh, and an honorable mention I'll say is that one thing that we have often enjoyed listening to over December is a sort of a uh, Christmas story dramatization series called the Twelve Voices of Christmas. There's also a Twelve Voices of Easter, and both are excellent. So you get to hear the uh, you know the story from the uh, New Testament of the Gospels uh, from different 
first person per- points of view, like uh, the shepherds or from the wise men or Mary, mm. the mother of Jesus. And it's just audio and none of them are more than 30 minutes long. So they're easy to listen to for the whole family, light a fire in the fireplace and listen to them together as a family and discuss. And we've done those uh, several years. So I want to use them again and again. They're a great tradition because there's 12 of them. You may not get through the entire series every year, but they're food for thought and very personal take on the original story. So it's very good. Oh, and another honorable mention, TJ. We love a family card game that all the Darnells have used our whole life. It goes back to my mom's side of the family. So it has been lasting for generations. My grandmother was doing this in the 1950s. And it is a card game called Rook. And I know that there are other card games very similar. Uh, I'm happy for those. Uh, If there was any card game I could recommend for a great big family and make some checks mix, have um, some Coca-Cola or whatever your favorite beverage is over the holidays and play Rook way past midnight. It's a big (laughs) blast for the whole family. As long as everybody knows the rules and everybody breaks them using the house rules and you can have a lot of fun. Great. Well, one, one more thing before we run out of time and I think we can just call these uh, holiday music favorite recommendations or something, you know, their, their favorites, the recommendations, I'm just going to take time to mention them and not, not explain too much about them. Uh, so, so our favorite holiday music, um, I, um, I grew up in a very, you know, traditional Christian of the eighties, uh, era listening to Christian music kind of environment. We didn't really listen to secular, secular music. And I've, I've kind of moved on past that. I don't really listen to much Christian quote music anymore, but some of these did kind of stick out to me. And one of them is Amy Grant. At the time, she was very much, uh, very popular, a, a Christian singer. But, and I, I don't remember much of her music except for this one Christmas album. And I continue to come back to it and listen to it every year because it, it really is a great album. Has just a little bit of that 80s sound to it, but, um, a great album. Amy Grant, Tennessee Christmas. And then the other one that is uh, from a, another kind of Christian singer of the time, Sandy Patty, The Gift Goes On. I love both of these oh. albums. And it probably has something to do with the fact that my mom loved both of these albums and she's no longer with us. So I um, I probably have some nostalgia wrapped up in that as well. But That's love awesome. these albums. I highly recommend. Um, and then some others I'm just going to mention real quick that I listen to kind of all the time during Christmas is uh, Enya's And Winter Came album. Martina McBride, White Christmas. Uh, not a big country fan, but I do like her Christmas album there. Uh, Nathan Clark George, uh, A Midwinter's Eve. Uh, Pentatonix, That's Christmas to Me. Uh, the Piano Guys, A Family Christmas. The Concordia Choir, Journey to Bethlehem. London Symphony Orchestra's Classic Christmas. And the Home Alone soundtrack, which I'd almost forgotten to include on here, but I do listen to it quite a lot. Wow, I'm going to check these out. Yeah. There's several on your list that I'm familiar with and others I'm not. They all sound interesting. So uh, I grew up with a lot of Christmas tunes that my parents were sentimental about that they had on cassette tape and we would wear those out. So I cared a lot about the traditional songs by Bing Crosby and Leroy Anderson, Johnny Mathis and Nat King Cole. So I put them in chronological order of releases. We had uh, Bing Crosby's White Christmas of 1942, Sleigh Ride by Leroy Anderson. Uh, I think that he may have made the original orchestral version for 1948, and it is phenomenal. But if you want to have lyrics with that, you need to li- listen to Johnny Mathis's. Uh, 
And the fun thing about Christmas music is that you can get the same tunes from virtually every popular singer and writer there has been. So find your best favorite versions and make your own Christmas playlist like we have. Then we've got Nat King Cole with Oh Come All Ye Faithful. Then uh, an honorable mention here, I don't have a specific Christmas tune from this uh, singer that I especially uh, count as a favorite, but I love her voice as Joe Stafford. And I hadn't heard about her from anyone else. She was recommended to me through Apple Music and Spotify once. So I kept on checking out her tunes and I just found them to be phenomenal. So great music to have playing is Joe Stafford's uh, Joyful Season album from 1964. Then the Charlie Brown Christmas uh, movies soundtrack is that you know smooth jazz mm. on the piano and it's just mm-hmm. great to listen to that album too and throw that into the mix and several of those tracks you know it just it, it brings out the spirit of christmas for the whole family even though there's not lyrics and they're not necessarily traditional tunes for or hymns or carols then you got perry como's silver bells i really like that version and from the Home Alone soundtrack from 1990, I do love John Williams' music of that whole movie, but a great one there is Somewhere in My Memory with the lyrics. Somewhere Very p- beautiful. Somewhere in my memory. Yeah. And yeah. It's the kind of song that'll make you tear up if you think too much about it. And then mm-hmm. uh, we've got a, It Feels Like Christmas from the Muppets Christmas Carol of 1992. That Song is not the most inspired tune. I can't say that the most incredible singer ever sang it, but <laughs> that is one of our favorite versions of the Christmas Carol story, and that is far and yeah. away our favorite Christmas movie. Then we have uh, Christmas Canon by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra from 1998. Oh. That yeah. song will bring me to tears of joy every time I hear it, and I have to hear it every year to get into the spirit. Then um, we have Have Yourself a Merry Christmas by a Very She and Him Christmas album of uh, 2011. And I, I, I just think that, that those singers are awesome. I just love Zoe Deschanel's music. And that version of that tune is uh, very compelling. And a newer okay. favorite is Paul Cardall. And I love he's a pianist. And he has he is sort of like the pianist of pianists like uh, Josh Groban. He's the Josh Groban of piano music. And I like his Hark the Herald Angel Sing of 2018. A very good rendition. So it's one of my instant favorites when I heard it last year. Very nice. I'll have to check out some of these on your list as well. It's funny how there is literally no crossover on our lists. (laughs) Except for maybe the Home Alone, but yeah, next to no others. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. So, um, and I also want to just throw out some favorite holiday Christmas movie recommendations. And uh, my list yeah, is we fairly got the short. Yeah, the crop right here. There, there. <laughs> you can forget about all the others. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Die Hard is the ultimate Christmas movie. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it tells a great no. <laughs> it tells a great christmas story too like if you really start digging into the story yeah. like it is so christmasy and not only is it set at christmas it just tells that that story of of redemption so okay it is a great it's a great christmas story a great christmas movie um and i just i did enjoy it it's a great movie um home alone great christmas movie as well uh very christmas themed uh like you can't argue that it's not a christmas movie come on <laughs> 
Yeah, it's because it, it's 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 a literally a Christmas movie. While you were sleeping, um, this is a traditional watch for us. Uh, it, it takes place partly during Christmas and then partly in the week following, but. I consider it very much a Christmas movie, and um, it's a kind of a comedy chick flick, but a lot of fun. Oh, um, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, and then the the classics, of course. The two classics I'll mention are Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the claymation. Uh, was, was that made in the 60s sometime? Probably. And, of course, Santa, Santa Claus is coming to town. L- love those both. I haven't seen them in years, but I think this year I'm going to watch them. So, okay. Um, yeah, Santa Claus is coming movies. to town. Is that a newer film? No, no, that's also that's claymation, same era as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, okay. Maybe I saw that on television one year, but I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through. So uh, my recommendations. And here again, Joe, you mm-hmm. you have recommendations that do not overlap with mine at all, and you have one on here that I will no longer be friends with you for. Continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Sorry, man. But uh, you know, <laughs> Christmas. Come on, the true spirit bah, of things. Humbug. You're gonna give me coal, man. Hurts. Well, I got uh, It's a Wonderful Life from 1946. I'd actually entertain the idea of a good redo, uh, a modernized version of that. I know that there's been some films that have kind of put a spin on things in the spirit of It's a Wonderful Life, but Mm -hmm. not really redone that film. And I can see some challenges for the modern era, but maybe maybe a remake set in the 1940s again, but just done with modern cast. Mm-hmm. I, I, the the original is phenomenal, but if you want to colorize the movie, you'll ruin it. So if you want a colorized version, you got to make a new <sighs> "It's a Wonderful Life" that can be in color. Yeah. Then, uh, then there's a uh, miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, the 1947 version. The newer version's only okay, but mm. the original one was very interesting, well written, good dialogue. It makes you think if for a very simple story that's kind of pithy at times. Then Mickey's Christmas Carol, phenomenal voice acting. I love the performance by uh, for Ebenezer Scrooge, and that was the best cartoon version of Ebenezer Scrooge ever. And the music is very charming as well. Then the our far and away favorite Christmas Carol version is the Muppets Carol, and that's from 1992 <laughs> with Michael Caine starring Michael Caine. How can you go wrong with that? And uh, that seems great. Yeah, and uh, Kermit the Frog. And then we got okay. Elf. Okay, you have to go there. You have to go there. Okay, what do you got? I, I hate this movie with a passion. Christmas it, spirit. It, it just makes me okay. Elf just makes me cringe so much. Like I just it does. <laughs> it's like purposefully awkward to beyond all reason for the humor of awkward jokes. It's awful. It's awful. 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 Can't do it. Can't do it. Best coffee in the world. Congratulations. It's, I love it. It's been nice knowing you, Joe. <laughs> it all comes to an end at the end of 2020. A new 2020 was going to go out terribly somehow. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> well, it's is that not all your my, movie? It's not. It's not my favorite favorite holiday film. And some years I have missed it. So I get it. It is a. It takes a particular appetite. I have to be in the mood for Elf, but when I watch it, it makes me smile. It's very funny. <laughs> so, it's kind of like your Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa Claus is coming to town. I mean, I'll give you a free pass. Yeah, except mine. Mine are literal classics because they're from like the fifties and sixties, and yours is like you. You like it's a classic, but it's two thousand three, dude. Uh, just wait till the twenty sixties, and then it'll be a classic from two thousand three. Oh, I suppose. Uh, is that all you got, Joe? Can, That's can we, all I got. We, all right. <laughs> I cannot defend the film anymore. 
<laughs> well, Joe, have yourself a merry little Christmas. I will. Merry Christmas. And uh, what else? Have some hot chocolate. Have yeah. some really good eggnog and lots of it. Yeah, and from our podcast to your ears, we hope you have a Merry Christmas uh, and a Happy New Year. And um, if you want to get to the show notes for this episode, uh, go to nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 15, and you'll find links to the various things we talked about. I'll slip some links in there to, you know, the the movies and things and the soundtracks. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see what I can get in the show notes, because who knows where some of this stuff is even found. Um, so I know, for instance, the Nathan Clark George album, I don't think it's streaming anywhere right now. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 15. We will. We haven't decided whether we're doing an episode before the new year or not. So, if not, happy new year as well. And we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. And again, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.